Hi, thanks for tuning in. This is Druggers for the People. This podcast will contain my feelings and opinions and uh, stories from from my practice in pharmacy, but none of this should be taken as just hardcore fact. This is more about stimulating questions that you can then take to your pharmacist and your doctor and your healthcare team uh, to help you better understand and participate in your care. And once again, just a little reminder, if you're looking for medical advice, diagnosis, treatment, you won't find it here. You need to use your healthcare professional for that. Jim is still the people. Uh, we're going to continue our talk about children's mental health issues, in particular about some of the medications that, that might be available for that. Uh, I, Jim, I have noticed a trend over the you know four decades I've been practicing as a pharmacist that um, it seems like psychotherapy, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy, behavior mod, those kinds of things uh, used to be more of a mainstay. It seems like the drugs are available, the insurance company pays for them, and off we go. So there's been a move toward, I think, more more readily using meds and less uh, therapy. And that's just anecdotal. That's just what seems to me what's happened over the years. And to me, I think if the med does provide some help and if the person really needs it, and we always talk on this podcast about risk benefit, what's it potentially going to do for you? What might it do that you don't like so much? And that while you're, when you start it and while you're on it, you monitor, say, hey, two weeks later, I'm feeling pretty good. No, no side effects. And or if, if something comes up, then they can talk with you or talk with a pharmacist, but sort of stay with it. And I think when they stay engaged, the odds, maybe, of actually following up with some sort of uh, therapist might might increase. I don't know, Jim. And that's the good thing about like the SSRI uh, antidepressants is that, sure, every medicine has a black box warning. These medicines have a black box warning. Might increase the risk of suicidal thinking, mm-hmm. which I think right. is overstated. But the biggest thing is that there is some data to suggest these medicines do nothing. You know, so I mean, they're relatively benign medicines. It's not. I, I try and tell the adolescent and the parents, you know, yes, this is something that needs to be taken seriously, taking a, a, a psychiatric medicine. But this isn't a medicine that, like, you're going to take this pill and you're going to feel like la la land, like everything is fine, the sun <laughs> shining, it's singing, zippity doo da with me. No, nor do we gonna, want that, Joe. No, yeah. Well, <laughs> some of us want that, but. <laughs> But regardless, you know, they, they, you'll take the medicine, you'll have good days, you'll have bad days. But maybe the bad days, you'd be like, wow, today is a bad day. Okay, what else is going on? And that's as bad as it gets. And that's as bad as it gets. Yeah. And what's the purpose of the counseling? You know, they're afraid that the psychiatrist is going to shrink them, you know, and try and figure out, you know, what's, what are they really thinking? And they don't want to talk. They don't want them to know what they're really thinking. Well, who does? But that's not what the counseling is all about. The counseling is about coming up with strategies, putting tools in their little toolbox, if you will, their utility mm-hmm. belt. So when they start to spiral down the drain, they can pull something out of that utility belt and say, I know how to turn this around. Well, and they might also come to understand some dynamic, something that's happened that's caused them to feel or behave in a certain way and yeah. then move on. Move, you know, I would, yeah. when I, was, I coached basketball for so many years and I would be like, um, you coached okay, my son. <laughs> yes, I sure did. And one of the things he probably heard from me was, Hey, you've been making that same mistake for a week now. Let's 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 fix that and make a new one because yeah. it's always going to be that way, and that's the way living is. So I do want to mention though about the black box warning, and I, believe me, I've seen mm-hmm. plenty. And this one seems like a paradox that an antidepressant may increase 
the chance of uh, suicidal thoughts right. or ideation. But if it, I my feeling on this one, if it happens once or twice out of a million people, let's just bring it up. So mom and dad yeah. or the patient, you know, whoever it might be, can can be aware of that mm-hmm. and. Um, and this it, group of drugs, there are others, there are potent meds out there. Oh, yeah. The SSRIs, though, increasing this serotonin. I remember when they came out, we mm-hmm. like, we've hit it. Mm-hmm. We're not doing, you tricyclics and all those side effects. You don't mm-hmm. remember those. But Much um, safer than I still, those. I still have, as a pharmacist, just always respect that this is, everybody responds so differently to this stuff mm-hmm. that I kind of go in. And the other thing, I, I with with a feeling of like, let's monitor closely, see how this works for you. Um, and, and also the, you know, in the, the, st- the gold standard for studies is double blind, uh, randomized placebo controlled, you know, see that 10 times fast. <laughs> I'm all done. That's all I'm doing. I got through it. Um, so, but the placebo controlled, that is an incredibly powerful effect, especially in this field. So my, my advice to folks, and I, I stick with it. When you've decided based on risk benefit and you, you've discussed these possible advantages and what might happen on a negative side and there's a, there's a decision to proceed, do it with, a, with confidence that not that you're going to be, you know, you're not putting your head in the sand or, or ignoring anything, but that, okay, we're, we're taking this step. Let's see what we get here because it's a positive thing. Um, this sounds funny coming from the druggist for the people, but like there people like, Want to see? Well, let's just what? What can I add to the soup that is me? That's going to make me feel better. And how you? Th- uh, this is I. How you think? What you do with your day? Um, how you move? It does affect your chemistry. It affects it. You know, it modulates how your how your nerves themselves work. Absolutely. So I I just aerobic, feel like aerobic activity, you know, yeah. exercise is a huge plus for mm-hmm. anxiety and depression. Um, uh, and being involved in things. I mean, so. Not only are kids, well, we're kids for for three years during COVID, not involved in sports and activities and stuff. But like when we were kids, what did we do other than going outside and playing all day and cutting our fingers off? Well, you know, we made model airplanes. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah. We did things. Kids do not have the same kind of hobbies. I mean, yeah, you know, there's sometimes I'll see a, a youngster who who draws or does something, but mm-hmm. hobbies are way, way down or cre- just creating. You know, p- kids today are way down on the creating scale. I'm not saying they're not creative, I'm saying, but they're not effectively doing it. No, no, Jim. Like, I didn't go to Disney as a child, but we took our kids there, and it was stimulus overload. I mean, it's like in your face. There's no time for imagination. It's right there. It's fooling your senses. And I think when we were younger, we probably both were more engaged in, you know, a story, a hike, something you were doing, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, the world of matchbox cars, you know, you make a whole city <laughs> and then burn it down. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I did do that. Yes, that, that happened. Um, we shared childhoods, apparently. Um, so, Jim, there have been a lot of changes, and it's just you don't know quite what they mean, but like when I'm th- thinking about the kids, and uh, I it was one time my buddy and I, Mike, where we grew up together and uh, at his house visiting and just having a beer and shooting some hoops, and um, the kids decided to come out with us and you know one by one they came and and before we knew what was going on uh they the kids were lining up just inside the free throw line and we're just feeding them the ball and getting rebounds and they go to the back of the line and uh <laughs> i don't know it that's that's not the way it would have played out when i was a kid 
And I don't know what it means if we've coached the kids too much, because <laughs> I would be guilty of that maybe. Um, but anyhow, there's all kinds of changes. And, um, you know, I just was thinking about your comment about hobbies and that kind of thing. And there's some bit of independence about that, doing your own thing. And it seemed a little bit like what was going on on the basketball court. So uh, I just, my wife uh, read where children, uh, a lot of them, their vision, uh, their ability to accommodate, you know, uh, near and far is diminished. Are you seeing this kind of thing? Yeah, because they spend so much time with a flat screen in front of them instead of actually being out. Have you heard of anything like that? I cannot attest to that. Um, I could see where that could be the case. What I have seen, though, is, I mean, I think it plays a role in, like, attention deficit disorder. So, I mean, video, for example, and, and phones and computers, screens that are that are flashing colorful lights in your face are very attractive to inattentive people. I think it's almost like it's, it's like biofeedback. Or it's mm-hmm. very soothing. So, like, my ADD patients just – seem to just they love video i mean it's just oh yeah that's so soothing <laughs> you know um yeah. and uh on the other hand though it makes it very hard to um attend to other tasks and things that are not as stimulating so yeah i um so i was looking at the most common mental health uh issues for children and so there's anxiety which includes obsessive compulsive uh adhd and depression and so i think it's interesting um i'd worked at a facility where they that was treating children and the, the, what was very, very often seen was that kids who had ADHD were also diagnosed like a third of the time with having depression. Sure. And then when you start thinking about how you treat them with drugs, yep. because the mm-hmm. symptoms of those things overlap. They do. And so like what you said early on, how do you distinguish which is the, which is the stronger? <laughs> uh, well, so right. Fortunately, um, the three classes of medicines that we're talking about here, um, well, you know, an- well, primarily anyways, anti-anxiety medicines, which are also antidepressant mm-hmm. medicines, uh, and ADD medicines all hit a lot of the same neurotransmitters. Correct. So, you know, nothing works better for acute depression than Adderall, let me tell you. You know, there's, you know, so, I mean, you're going to see improvement even if you're, um, if you start the wrong medicine. Uh, I hate to say it that way, but... Um, but the question is, what can you, how can you best serve the the child, um, you know, with, with the right medicine? Um, so it's complicated. It is complicated. And I don't, I think that, uh, you know, the diet, the, uh, diagnostic and statistical manual for psychiatric disorders, you know, it's this Bible that's got all these criteria for, that have to be met to make this diagnosis. Um, and that's a great, great thing to have as a standard. But again, where where they actually fall here, and the, like the ADHD, the Adderall and, and methylphenidate, they're going to increase the dopamine and norepi, mm-hmm. and the serotonin specific reuptake inhibitors tells you what they're going to do. Serotonin, um, so, but that, so that'll help the depression and the ADD. But on the other hand, they will tilt you against the anxiety disorder, make you right. more anxious. Right, potentially so. Uh, so anyway, it's a it's a difficult thing, and what so what I feel like we can offer here is that. Being active as a parent, guardian, grandparent in the child's um, situation, whatever it might be. Uh, I know of a young person who's had anxiety issues, is on meds, and it's a really, it's a good situation because it's leading to therapy and helping her to figure out 
some things she could do on her own. So, and, and what I'm hearing from help. you is, you know, for parents to be, you know, involved with their children, to be proactive and to talk to them. So as a provider, as a pediatrician, you know, one thing we typically, what we're supposed to do anyways, is get the child, get the teenager alone and talk to them in the exam room. Uh, and parents are often unwilling or uncomfortable with that situation. Yet that's their one time to talk to an impartial third party about their problems. Um, now dovetailing right into that though, of course, is this podcast is taking place in North Carolina. Uh, North Carolina just passed three extremely oppressive laws. Um, the first, which doesn't apply to this discussion is the protection of, um, high school women athletes, which prevents trans women from participating in high school sports as women. Um, the most important one though, is what's called this parents, Bill of Rights. So, you know, in the past, if a if a adolescent told me that they were um, uh, depressed, um, you know, we could we could talk to them in private. We didn't have to, you know, tell everything to the parents. Um, if a if a even more commonly, if an adolescent came to us and, uh, for example, had a sexually transmitted infection, we could treat that, you know, and we could give them a prescription for an antibiotic and fix that problem. Um, now, uh, as of the, as of this law has just been passed, I cannot prescribe a medication such as even an antibiotic to a child without parental consent. I cannot test for chlamydia or gonorrhea, for example, in that, in that teenager without parental consent. And the parent has access to, it has a right to have access to every part of the child's medical record. So we used to have, for example, for, um, disturbed, if you want to call it, what do you want to say it, troubled teenagers, we often had private charts for them where uh, we could keep stuff, you know, kind of separate from their main chart. Um, that absolutely no longer exists in the state of North Carolina. So they're in a time right now when we have the worst climate uh, of uh, adolescent anxiety and depression, we also have the, we've just been robbed of any ability to confidentially talk to these patients and uh that erosion is going to be felt and, um, and so this this uh, these new laws that have been passed your your feeling is that they're going to uh inhibit you in a way that may help that child to not only one treat the physical situation that's going on but to help them feel comfortable about communicating what's happening where if their parents know you're not going to get that information. Is that Absolutely. right? Absolutely. I mean, I would, you know, it's not like I have some hidden agenda where I want to medicate these teenagers with, you know, medicines for, you know, for depression and not tell their parents. But it's often helpful if I can have some time, you know, so I can I can start talking to them about this problem and get them to where they want to come around and talk to the parents. Or maybe they can let their extremely conservative parents know that they are gay. Um, but maybe I can help them work through that over a period of time instead of all at once. I mean, now the fact that, you know, if they start telling me that they might be gay and they don't know what to do, I say, you know, stop right now. Anything you tell me is going to be in your chart and it could potentially be discovered by your parents. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I understand um, what you're saying and how that, how that whole scenario plays out and might get in the way of, of, um, of the child being treated in the best way for that kind of situation. I also, though, can understand a parent, you know, until sure. the child's 18, like, I need to know. What's yeah. happening with my child? Because if even if they don't want to tell me, 
that that perhaps they could, um, you know, come around uh, to addressing any of those uh, sensitive issues with their child. So I kind of I get uh, I, I your frustration, both, of course, and I, and I, I can also see can both understand sides people. Of that. Yeah, yes. yeah. So, I mean, as a parent, I'd be horrified if if I didn't know that my child had you know X, Y, or Z you know problem. Um, but and that's not my goal to to uh, hide that from parents, you know. But they do often need time to come around where they can talk to their parents. Um, you know, they this law was written like there's some hidden agenda to you know to to deceive parents and to do things behind their back, which isn't what we do. So we just really want to try and cope with their mental health, you know, and we're having a hard time of it. Yeah, yeah. So it's um, it is getting into the practice of medicine, which doesn't seem like a uh, a good idea. Um, so again, Jim, just, we've talked about some, some things about the medicines. There's, there are a number of meds that are FDA approved for, uh, pediatrics for young, young people and teenagers and that kind of thing for these mood disorders, um, and ADHD, obviously. Um, but I did want to mention that, uh, before we go, and we've mentioned this a couple of times on the podcast, the, the number 988 is the, uh, suicide and crisis hotline. So if someone of any age yeah. needs mm-hmm. needs someone to talk to and to figure out a way to to get in touch with people who can help them, that's an easy number to call. And, and you can talk to some folks that will be able to help you out. So that's 988. So 988, um, they can Google mobile crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, you, know, uh, you know, coming to your doctor's office, is not always, I mean, I want to help, you know, but it's not always the most effective way to deal with an acute problem, like, you know, acutely cutting, acutely, you know, suicidal thoughts and stuff like that. Um, I don't have any tools to get you into a counselor immediately. Um, so calling mobile crisis or going to an emergency room, not a uh, urgent care, but an emergency room that can force a psych evaluation. Um, if you present to an emergency room, not a, not a, urgent care, and you have a bona fide psycho- psychological problem, you will be evaluated in some way before you are set free. I mean, you will be evaluated. Um, now, that's that's one side of it. Right. The other right. side, go ahead. Well, I mean, it's like what we talked earlier about the, you know, the ER docs are overwhelmed. Right. And so the the what has to happen here is just finding a way to someone that can help. And so these resources we've talked about are good. Um, and to back to what the government's doing, at least if we're going to invest in training and growing mental health care in the community, when I was working in psych years ago, there was a, there was a move from uh, acute care facility based to getting people out into the community. And so we eliminated all of these, you know, in-house mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. options. And so I think it's going to swing back a little bit and have some more short-term uh, overnight t- stay type options and just um, be more ready to help young people. Yeah. I think that's pretty good, Jim. You got anything else for me? I think that pretty well summarizes the problem. I'm not, again, like you said, I'm not sure we found any answers here, but we've outlined the problem and what we face. Um, but um you know, I, I think it's all about communication and uh, and being uh, patient and yeah. loving and just trying to have have some understanding about what's going on. And then that's the that's the that's the big blue sky stuff. Then there's this real thing about getting the physical help and support mm-hmm. 
that's necessary. That's it. Yeah. All right, man. Well, I so appreciate you being here. Thank you. It's all right. Been great. And I appreciate you all listening. This has been and will be Druggists for the People.